Please turn with me in God's holy word to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. Chapter 31. And we're going to come back and look in greater detail at the earlier part of this chapter. Uh, but if you would turn with me to the end of this chapter. 2 Chronicles chapter 31, and we'll begin reading God's word in verse 20. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. And then over in chapter 32, we'll begin reading in um, verse 30. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 30. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And then we'll go back and read beginning in verse 1. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim and broke down the high places and the altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. Then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, every man to his possession. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and of the Levites, division by division, each according to his service, the priests and the Levites, for burnt offerings and peace offerings to minister in the gates of the camp of the Lord and to give thanks and praise the contribution of the king from his own possessions was for the burnt offerings, the burnt offerings of morning and evening and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the appointed feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of cattle, and sheep and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and laid them up in heaps. 
In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest, who was of the house of Zadok, answered him, Since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have eaten and had enough and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this large amount left. Then Hezekiah commanded them to prepare chambers in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them, and they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithes, and the dedicated things. The chief officer in charge of them was Conaniah, the Levite, with Shimei, his brother, his second, while Jehiel, Azariah, Nahath, Ashahel, Jeremoth, Josabat, Eliel, Ishmachiah, Mahath, and Benaiah were overseers assisting Kaniah and Shimeiah with uh, his brother. By the appointment of Hezekiah the king and Azariah the chief officer of the house of God, and Kor the son of Imna, the Levite, keeper of the east gate, was over the freewill offerings to God to apportion the contribution reserved for the Lord and the most holy offerings, Eden, Minyamin, Jeshua, Shemiah, Amariah, Shechaniah, were faithfully assisting him in the cities of the priests to distribute the portions to their brothers, old and young alike, by divisions, except those enrolled by genealogy, males from three years old and upward, all who entered the house of the Lord as the duty of each day required for their service according to their offices by their divisions. The enrollment of the priests was according to their father's houses. That of the Levites from 20 years old and upward was according to their offices by their divisions. They were enrolled with all their little children, their wives, their sons, and their daughters. The whole assembly for they were faithful in keeping themselves holy. And for the sons of Aaron, the priests who were in the fields of common land belonging to their cities, there were men in the several cities who were designated by name to distribute portions to every male among the priests and to everyone among the Levites who was enrolled. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prosper. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city. And they helped him 
A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside it he built another wall and he strengthened the Milo in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Father, as we think about the revival, the reformation that you poured out in the days of King Hezekiah upon the people, upon him, Lord, we are stirred in our hearts to cry to you that even in our day, you would reach down your mighty hand and you would do a mighty work to bring the gospel to bear upon our hearts, our homes, upon our church family, upon this community, upon our county, upon our state, upon our land, upon the other nations of the world, that you, O King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you would... Speak your word and stir our hearts to worship you and to action to serve you with joy, with gladness, with courage, with strength, with faithfulness, with humble reliance upon your saving presence. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, in this passage of Scripture, we see God recording for us the blessings that God granted uh, to his people uh, during the reign and through his servant, King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was not the Savior. Uh, He was merely a tool in God's hand that God touched and used and blessed. Um, Reformation, revival, does not come from men. It comes from the hand of God. And you remember last Lord's Day, we looked and saw that the Lord stirred uh, at the beginning of Hezekiah's reign, and we read about that in chapter 29, Uh, that he restored the service of the temple. That was the first thing he did. And then uh, the second thing he did was to remind the people 
that they needed a redeemer. And they were called to celebrate the Passover once again. And that's what we looked at last Lord's Day in chapter 30. Now we come to chapter 31 and we read in verse 1, Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the Asherim and broke down the high places and the altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. And then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, every man to his possession. Now there's a lot in verse 1. Uh, here we see that because the people have been called again to trust in the Redeemer, to see that God is their uh, uh, Savior, uh, uh, remembering the great work that God did in the land of Egypt. And the Passover feast was the celebration, not just an empty ritual, but it was for the purpose of calling the people to remember that it is through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb that they have deliverance, that they have rescue from what they deserve, which is God's wrath upon their own sin. And when God would see the blood, he would pass over that house. And so now they are called upon to remember the Passover lamb. And of course, we saw in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of that glorious feast and truth that God performed there in Egypt. And this ritual now that was a feast to be celebrated yearly until Messiah would come, reminding God's people, calling them to look forward to the one who alone could deliver them from sin, the Lamb of God who laid down his life upon the cross. Well, when we come to know the Lord Jesus, we cannot help but worship the true and the living God. And when we know the true and the living God and worship Him, our hearts are stirred to action. And that's what we see in verse 1. We see that the people now who have been reminded of the glory of of the Christ, that God in the fullness of time would give his own son to be the lamb to rescue them. Even in shadow form, they are stirred to action. And they are moved to go out throughout their uh, communities and clean house. All of the expressions of worship of these false gods uh, that existed, the pillars, the asherim, uh, the high places, the altars that had been erected to all of these pagan deities. Uh, they are ashamed and aghast that these things exist in their midst. 
and they say, oh, that is not proper. We need to get rid of these things. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter, uh, we see God reminding us uh, that we have been redeemed, uh, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb of God, who has laid down his life to rescue us. And so we read in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Uh, Peter has introduced this whole matter of, of God redeeming his people. And you see that in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, this Jesus, even though we uh, are tested by fire, down in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Now, this fear is the fear that a Christian has. Standing in awe and wonder, the fear of amazement, the fear of worship in who God is and what he has done for us in his Son. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, 
who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so that's what we see in Second Chronicles chapter 31. We see that because the people now are gripped with this sense of wonder and amazement in who God is, they are stirred to action. And in our lives, when we see the glory of Jesus, we are stirred to action. We are stirred to be those uh, who would clean house, beginning in our own hearts and minds and lives, our own homes, our own callings, our own church family, our own congregation. And then it goes out from there, delighting to honor this great God who has set his mercy and love upon us in the Christ. Well, back to Second Chronicles chapter 31. After this house cleaning took place of these uh, uh, remnants of, of paganism, these symbols of paganism having been removed from the land, after they had destroyed them all, then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, every man to his possession. And then in verses 2 down through verse 19, we see Hezekiah uh, calling the Levites to action and calling the people to support the Levites. Now the Levitical tribe had been set apart by Almighty God. There were uh, no uh, um, uh, divisions uh, of land for the whole tribe of Levi when Joshua divided the promised land, when it was divided up. But every city had a portion of land that was set apart for the Levites who lived there so that they could uh, provide for themselves and the tithe that God required of God's people, a tenth of their increase, that it was to be given uh, to the service of the temple in charge of the Levites for the purpose 
that the Levites would be scattered throughout all the land, not just concentrated there in Jerusalem, but throughout all the land. And that the, the support for the Levites would be provided for by Almighty God through these small portions of property there around the cities, uh, as well as the tithe of God's people. And it was for the purpose of the Levites instructing them in the law of God. And you see that in chapter 31 at uh, the end of verse 4, that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. Not just uh, the, the functions of the temple and so forth, yes, uh, but uh, in addition to those feasts and so forth, there was the daily instruction that the Levites were supposed to be uh, uh, carrying out, teaching, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept to help God's people know uh, uh, the true and the living God and His paths. And then, uh, in addition to the, the temple worship and the instruction, uh, the Levites were entrusted with these funds to lead God's people to minister to those who were in need, orphans and widows, and those who were in distress, the strangers in the land. Uh, God called upon the Levites and provided for the funds to be there uh, so that uh, the mercy of God could not only be celebrated in the formal worship in the feast there at Jerusalem, uh, but taught throughout the land, uh, but also experienced as these Levites ministered the mercy of God. And so uh, in these verses now, down through verse 19, Hezekiah uh, is calling uh, the Levites to get their act together. Uh, that they were supposed to uh, start doing in earnest what God had called them to do. Uh, to teach the word of God to God's people, to lead God's people uh, in these feasts and in the worship of God, uh, to administer the sacrifices as God had instructed, and uh, the mercy ministries that God had provided and that the people then throughout all the land were supposed to support this as God had instructed. Uh, that the provision that God had made for the support of these Levites, uh, they did not have a portion of the uh, land of Israel that had been given just to the Levites. But they were scattered throughout all the land. But God had provided for them these smaller tracts of land around cities, but especially the tithe. And so uh, in our day, uh, what do we need to learn from this? For God's people, they indeed uh, heard the call of Almighty God and they gave in abundance. And it describes that there were heaps 
just big piles of supplies. Uh, there was more than enough. Uh, they faithfully brought in the contributions, the tithes, and the dedicated things there in verse 12. And Hezekiah said, okay, how's it going? They said, whoo, we've got so much we don't know what to do with it all. And Hezekiah said, well, we need to build storehouses uh, so that we can and care for this and be good stewards. And this can continue. Well, what do we need to learn from this? Well, turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2. And one of the things that we learn in the New Covenant, in the New Testament age, uh, is an amazing truth that God has called not just one tribe of his people, uh, to be those who would minister before him. But God calls all of his people to be priests. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 4, where we left off, as you come to him, a living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves... Like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Who's the you? Christians. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, join to the Lord Jesus. And here's the picture of God saying, I'm going to build a house, a temple where I'm going to dwell and I'm going to have an army of priests to minister in my house to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, if you'll turn over in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse 5. Uh, not only is this book from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, but this book, like all of Scripture, is from God the Son. Verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Jesus is the prophet and the priest and the king. To him who loves us and has freed us, from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so what has Jesus done? He not only has forgiven us of our sins, not only are we glad to own to be God's bondservants, but God has made us a kingdom of priests, priests and kings to our God, to serve him, to worship him. Now, of course, the priests in the Old Testament, they the first thing they would do, the very first sacrifice they would offer was what? It was the guilt offering. It was the burnt offering. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 1 where if you wanted to go and meet God, the very first thing you needed to do was to get 
your sin taken care of so that all of the other sacrifices and all of the other expressions of your love and devotion and praise and thanks to God would be accepted. And you would go and you would take a blood sacrifice and you would put your hand on the head of that animal and the priest would meet you there in the courtyard. You couldn't go into the temple. Only the priest could go with your sacrifice. But you would bring the sacrifice, the live animal, and you would put your hand on the animal's head and the priest would kill the animal with your hand on its head, signifying that a substitute is shedding its blood to pay for sin. And as we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 Verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. But all of those wonderful sacrifices that God instructed his people to offer, that they did by the hundreds and hundreds of thousands, over and over and over, all pointed to the Lamb of God who would come in the fullness of time and offer himself as a sacrifice once for all time as he died upon the cross. And what is the effect of that once for all time sacrifice by our Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus? It is that he has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. And so we do not offer sacrifices that picture the Redeemer because Jesus has shed his blood. We do trust in this Jesus and we do need to come just like the priests in the Old Testament, they had to offer a sacrifice first for their own sins before they could represent anyone else. Well, how can we come into God's presence? We come pleading the blood of Jesus. And as those who are trusting in Jesus, as we read in Hebrews chapter 10... When Jesus died upon the cross, even the veil of the temple separating the temple where the priests would go day in and day out from the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go one time a year. When Jesus died, the Father reached his hand down and tore the veil from top to bottom there in the temple in two. When Jesus died, signifying that the way now through the Lord Jesus is open for the people of God to go into the very presence of the holy, holy, holy God. First Peter 2 describes how we are those who through Jesus have such privilege. And this revival that is described for us in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, the priests, they made sure that they needed to cleanse themselves. 
They needed to make sure that they were right with God before they would go in to the presence of God. So it is with us. Back to 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, verse 4, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. We're the temple that God is building. And it's a big temple. It's all over the world. Uh, this morning, Pastor Samuel, in the, in the Sunday school class, he reminded us uh, how powerful God is and that he is at work. And that even though, for example, uh, the brutal, uh, uh, unbelieving, Christ-hating Communist Chinese Party in China is doing everything that they can frantically to stamp out the name of Jesus. They are even rewriting the Bible, publishing a version of Scripture that just turns everything on its head. Uh, in John chapter 8, for a, a, a example, their perverted edition has Jesus picking up a stone and stoning the woman caught in adultery. It is just a blasphemous, wicked, but it is a futile attempt that they are striving to stamp out the name of Jesus. And uh, it has been estimated that at present there are around 300 million professing Christians in China. That's a third of, of, of the people of China. Uh, who uh, behind the scenes, the Spirit of God uh, is, is turning uh, people who believed in idolatry, idols, practicing idolatry to be brothers and sisters joined with us by the grace of God to love the Lord Jesus, a spiritual house. It's a big house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, that begs the question, well, what are those spiritual sacrifices? And if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, God gives us a little glimpse of what some of these spiritual sacrifices are uh, that God is giving us the privilege to offer. Uh, we come first confessing our dependence upon Jesus and his perfect work as our great high priest to give us access. Uh, but then we come with spiritual sacrifices. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. And he's comparing the Old Testament economy with what Jesus has given us now. And he says um, in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. And he's talking about before the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., uh, there were priests who were continuing to go into the temple. And he says, well, we have an altar that those priests don't have a right to eat from. 
The bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate. Where did Jesus suffer? It was on the hill of Golgotha, the place of the skull. It was outside Jerusalem. And that's his point. To sanctify the people through his own blood, therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of of lips that acknowledge his name. Uh, and so what do we come offering to God after we have asked the blood of Jesus to cover our sin? As priests, we have access, men and women and boys and girls. And when the Reformation took place back in the 1500s and following, this precious biblical truth was again expounded from Holy Scripture. And there was this phrase, the priesthood of all believers, that you don't have to have a man go and be your mediator anymore, like we see in Hezekiah's day. But now, because of King Jesus, because of his reign, uh, he has made us a kingdom of priests. And each one of us, as we believe in Jesus, have the privilege to come into the very presence of God, confessing our sin, confessing our trust in the Lamb of God for our sins to be washed away. And then we can offer all kinds of other sacrifices like the priests of the Old Testament did. Thank offerings and peace offerings and wave offerings. And here we have now, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, that give thanks to his name. And then here's another sacrifice. Look at verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And just as the Levitical priests were called to action, and it doesn't specify in chapter 31 all that they were supposed to do, but you can read in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy about the specifics of how those Levites were not only to instruct the people, they were not only to lead the people in worship, but they were also to administer mercy. And here we see this. Uh, in Hebrews 13, do not neglect to do good and to share. We're supposed to minister the gospel one to another as priests of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And these sacrifices are pleasing to God. For such sacrifices are pleasing. Now, how, how is God pleased with these sacrifices? Well, not only are they in accordance with what God says is true and good and right, 
but they're offered and covered with the blood of Jesus. And he accepts them. A couple of weeks ago, I, I was looking through some of my files, and I have very few physical files left. You know, it's the digital age. But there are some files I just refuse to get rid of. I, I just can't bear. Some of the files of, of sermon notes, I have very few of those left. I mean, there were six full file cabinets of sermon notes that we scanned and, and digitalized, and I got rid of them, okay? But there's just a few I cannot get rid of. But my most prized files are what I refer to as Daddy's Favorites. That's the title of the file. And Papa's Favorites. Since I've become a grandfather, I've started adding. And some of these are drawings that my children and grandchildren made. Many of them of me. And they are precious to me. There I am, you know, stick figure with, you know, three hairs sticking up. And big old hands. Now, why is that precious to me? I, I mean, as far as a work of art, I, I don't think I could probably sell it at Sotheby's uh, on auction for very much. But it is precious to me because of, of who drew it. Uh, it is a prize, it is priceless, it is a treasure. And in a very real sense, that is how our lives are as God's little children. Our feeble attempts to please and honor our great God are accepted by Him because they are covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we read at the end of our chapter, verse 31, the summary of Hezekiah's life that he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And as we live lives as kings and priests to our God, the Lord accepts our feeble attempts to honor him and please him, uh, just like those drawings. And our lives are accepted by him and blessed of him because he looks at us through the righteousness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is pleased with us as his people. Oh, praise his name. And so we read in verse 21, Every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. And may the Lord bless us to give ourselves as kings and queens in our Lord Jesus Christ, priests to our God in the Lord Jesus to him anew, and that God would bless us. Now, we're going to stop there. Uh, next week, we're going to see, and I want you to notice verse 1 of chapter 32. After these things and these acts of what? 
faithfulness. God was pleased with Hezekiah. God put Hezekiah in a place where he says, Hezekiah, I'm going to grow you. I'm going to put you on one of my workout machines. And he raised up this pagan king, Sennacherib. And we see how God's grace continued to powerfully shine forth and motivate and move and bless King Hezekiah. And so it may be with us. Uh, uh, to give ourselves to the Lord Jesus and to be kings and queens in our Lord Jesus Christ and priests to our God. It doesn't mean that we become automatically suddenly coated with spiritual Teflon and trouble and trials just zing off of us and never stick to us. No. Many times... Uh, when we have given ourselves anew to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there are times of testing. You can almost count on it. It will come, but God is faithful, and He is at work, even setting the stage in those situations to show His power and His faithfulness and His goodness and give us joy to stand for Jesus and even grow to love him and know him more. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the revival that you brought in King Hezekiah's day. And Lord, as great as he was, he was a man saved by the grace of God and he had clay feet, as we will see several weeks from now. And he stumbled. And yet, Lord, he was one of your children. And Father, all of us, uh, we are uh, like King Hezekiah. Oh, Lord, you know our hearts. We do love you, Lord Jesus, and we want to serve you. Father, when you bring times of testing, we beg that you would keep us. And Lord, tonight we have been reminded of the privilege that we have uh, to offer our lives to you as living sacrifices, as we read there in Romans chapter 12, uh, holy, acceptable to you through the Lord Jesus, which is our reasonable service of worship. And so, Lord, thank you uh, for the incredible privilege we have to be kings and queens, priests to you, our God. And Lord God, we confess our utter dependence on you, Lord Jesus, uh, not only to wash our sins away, but to continue to give us your blessed spirit, to revive us and to animate us, uh, that we would live lives uh, offering sacrifices of praise to you, our great God. Bless now as we sing and as we continue to worship and prepare us, Lord, to come with joy uh, to your table this evening. In Jesus we pray, amen. <laughs>